from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Silver 7's on a Thursday, our Thursday home for Cofield and Company in ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Getting ready for the Sweet 16 as Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. We've got four games up today. We're on early. You can hear that right now. Uh, one until 4 o'clock. We'll get out of the way at 4 for the games. Early games include Arkansas against Gonzaga, number Gonzaga side at minus 10. And Villanova will take on Michigan. That is a 429 tip, and then we'll tell you about the games in the 6 o'clock hour. So Silver 7's here. On a Thursday. A little bit of Raiders news. They now start to piece together the roster with not necessarily unimportant players because you need backup, a backup quarterback or backup quarterbacks. Do we have any update on Trevor Simeon with the Raiders? Oh, Garrett Gilbert. Don't forget the legend is already here. Uh, The visit was going on. So we'll see. I mean, I think usually when you get to that point, there's mutual interest so uh think it could happen i have not uh, been in the loop in the last couple of hours so well, simeon would be the backup right i would think so yeah, yeah. i mean they, they've carried three as an organization i think the patriots have done that a little bit um i would think if you're you know i, I would think you'd be much more comfortable with a guy like simeon who's had some starts if you if you do need to go to a backup quarterback at some point but Carr has been fairly durable the last couple of years we're going to preview uh, today's games, tomorrow's game, Sweet 16, look back, look ahead with uh, Chris Walker, who works for CBS and played at Villanova. Villanova's playing this afternoon. So that's coming up in about 10 minutes. But uh, I wanted to squeeze a little baseball in, right? Unheard of on Cofield and company. <laughs> it's allowed what's going on. Football just won't freaking stop, and that's a good thing. We love football. We love the NFL. We love college football. A couple of baseball notes. Uh, any follow-up now on um, – it's funny. I thought the Ricketts family had no money because they tore down the Cubs – sold everyone off, and then last week I find out that, yeah, a lot of us do, um, that they're amongst uh, many Americans who would love to buy into the uh, Premier League, yeah. the Premier League, with uh, Chelsea. So how's that going? Is it almost done? Uh, well, there's some issues, including the fans not wanting them to buy into the organization. Is that right? Even though the, the patriarch, the old man, is the one responsible, and he's not really part of this. It's the kids that are trying to buy into the Premier League. Uh, the old man has some very troublesome quotes in the past, uh, some anti-Islamic stuff and uh, some pretty nasty things that he said in the past and uh, were uncovered in some emails that came out. John Gruden would be a, would like a word. Um, the NFL leaking info on the Ricketts family. Yeah, and so the, you know some of the fans are not very happy with this, so they want to block this from happening. The children uh, in the Ricketts family are trying to have like a sit-down with some fans and you know, build some bridges and say, hey, look, that's him, not us. Uh, that's a long time ago, that sort of thing. We'll see how this plays out, but fans not happy with things that have been said in the past, like uh, Muslims are naturally our enemy, uh, Islam is a cult, not a religion, those sorts of things. Not quite as, well, I was going to make a joke there, but no need to. <laughs> no. The thing is a joke on its own. Sure. And so, so what's going to happen? It's, it's going to be interesting because the, the Premier League has done a, a pretty good job. I mean, it's, it's had some really nasty racist moments in the past. 
it's done a pretty good job of kind of allowing, you know, players to express themselves, fans to, you know, it, believe, trust me, fans have had really bad moments too in the Premier League. But there's definitely been a movement just like there has been here, kind of pushing back against a lot of that the last couple of years. And the Premier League's done a pretty good job embracing trying to move forward. This would be a real step backward. So I'd have to imagine this is going to be tough for this to happen. Are you surprised that Oakland ownership hasn't stepped up to try to buy into the Premier League? Wouldn't that be a hoot? The all, of sudden, all, all, all of a sudden, the A's have money to they have <laughs> money to field a competitive baseball team or really pitching a whole lot for a stadium. Uh, that thing is still going on. We're still yeah. being used as on. I think last week we talked about the A supposedly putting down uh, some sort of bid on a fifth piece of property. Where are these properties? Can't tell you. Can't yeah. tell you. Well, that's all of this is pissing off a lot of the people in Oakland, including one of the local city uh, council women. Fire this. They use all these other cities to dangle in front of Oakland to get the cheapest deal possible because that's quite frankly what's happening. And I understand that's what happens in negotiations and in business. Honestly, all the personal affronts, all the attacks, PR games that have been played, those don't play much of a role in how I'm saying things. Carol Fife, who then followed up that to say, uh, I am going to work on introducing this as a potential ballot measure that has to be introduced this week. And then the discussions would happen April 9th and April 14th, I think, are the dates. And then the A's stadium proposal would go on the public ballot in November. It, in the day before Election Day, the A's will put down another deposit on a property in Las Vegas. It's what they've done every time there's a decision to be made. Yeah. This has been you think fake. this is all, all strategic? It's been fake since day one. Yeah. And anybody that listens to us knows that we've been saying since day one. This has been fake yeah. for, for many reasons. First of all, look at the deal that Oakland is already giving them. There is zero chance they're getting a better deal than that here. Zero. Not going to happen. Not this time around. The Raiders got the best deal ever, and that's not going to happen again. Yeah. and, and the There deal- is no there's, – there's no – I mean, the most important thing is you have to have politicians and the casinos behind you, and then, you know, in that case, the politicians just won't read the proposal and vote yes yeah. automatically. Yeah. Um, that's not going to happen. Maybe there's a, um, a tiny, tiny, tiny public contribution, private partnership. Maybe that's pop. But you're right. The deal they're getting in Oakland, it's a beautiful site. The city is paying a boatload for this mega site, $12 billion site. Um, and the A's keep playing games on this a uh, councilwoman pointed it out and said, uh, you know, I feel like the behavior has been abusive to the city of Oakland and they have not valued the loyalty that many fans and the city of Oakland have for them. What plays the most for me is what I'm hearing. I think it's best to move in a direction to give more weight to people than to billionaires. Uh, Dave Cavill, the uh, president of the A's, was questioned by the San Fran Chronicle. Why did you just sell off the whole team? Because you remember, Chris Bassett went bye-bye. That was followed by Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. And the president of the A's said, I think the focus is always on what are the different windows to compete. I can tell you right now, if there are windows to compete in Las Vegas, don't come. You, you will not survive here outside of the grace period the first three years. Let's see, let's see what the crowd looks like tonight at the VGK game. Let's see how cheap tickets are on the resale market. Well, that's the key. It, the people are going to go because there's still people that haven't been able to go in the past that now can afford it because they're so cheap. 
But you get my point? Yeah. The there is no more competitive organization, almost cutthroat according to the fans, cutthroat with the goal of winning in mind than the Golden Knights. And people are like, Bull crap, not yeah. winning. Yeah. On the edge of the playoffs. Unacceptable. Where's that petition to get Pete DeBoer fired? The A's are going to come here and we're going to have competitive cycles? Because I, mean, I don't believe them with a, with a new stadium and a, you know an infusion of cash that they will do what the Knights have done and what Mark Davis is doing. Mark Davis has put his money where his mouth is. He's now more flush with cash than he was when he first got here when they had to sell off Khalil Mack, when they had to get rid of Amari Cooper. Playing big boy football. Yeah. I, do, I do not believe... I'm just telling you, I, 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 I think management with the A's is playing a game here, so I'm not going to continue to get worked up. <laughs> but I just think it's a, it's a really bad sign if this organization thinks they're going to come here in some sort of public-private partnership and five years in with a stadium, they're going to be in competitive cycles <laughs> and, and trying to field. Listen, I don't think they're going to do $40 million payrolls they're going to do this year, which is absurd. Again, I'll repeat it. 2019, the last full year of baseball, teams got $101 million from RevShare, $89 million from TV. It's $190 million going to squads like this right off the top. They're spending $40 million or $50 million on their payroll. Yeah. It's and you don't win insane. in Las Vegas, people will not go after the initial honeymoon. Yeah, I, all that is true. And again, this—I don't think the public has the appetite to do anywhere near they do with the Raiders or anywhere near what the, Oakland is already getting from Oakland. It's a—it's so a stop. And, and aside from the A's, it's a completely different product. Come on, yeah. The NFL versus baseball, and I like baseball, but it—it it, it doesn't hold a candle to the popularity no. of the NFL. No, it's not even close. So no. you're you're, buy, you're buying into a biz where. It's guys like this you got to deal with. Or the just NHL fibbing, here, by Just the way. fibbing to your face. Yeah, or the NHL here. It's already here. It's already established. So you're going to be third in the market already. It's silly. Silly in every way. 364-1100, Let's do a giveaway. We've got tickets to go see Incubus this Friday, March 25th. Doors open at 7 o'clock. 364-1100. You can get your own tickets at AXS.com. Ari's got two tickets to see Incubus. 364-1100. 22-ounce Bud Light, Budweiser, or Michelob Ultra, plus two hot dogs and two bags of chips, all for just $7.77 at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's, it's Cofield and Company. Early show today, Cofield and Company. We're out of here at 4 o'clock. Sweet 16 follows right here on ESPN. Las Vegas. Adam Hill, Cofield, love college basketball, fired up about the games tonight. And I know Adam is, uh, I don't know if he's nervous, but he's a gigantic Michigan fan who went to UNLV. Uh, but you grew up in Michigan. You grew up in Michigan. Uh, Chris Walker played at Villanova, is an analyst for CBS, and gives us a couple minutes to break down the Sweet 16 with Steve and Adam here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, I'm good. I have no dog in the fight, but I know, Adam, are you okay? Are you, are you on pins and needles with your, your Wolverines playing Villanova? I am perfectly fine as long as Villanova doesn't win by between one and four points. Okay. So oh, Adam, come on, man. Yeah, betting in. Yeah. I bet Villanova so that I'm happy if Villanova wins or if Michigan wins. All right. 
As long as Villanova doesn't win a close game, we're good. Are we? Are we okay tonight? Well, I mean, you guys uh, have Hunter Dickinson, which is a, a difficult matchup for Villanova, but he also would have to chase either Samuels or Slater or, or Dixon if he makes some threes around the perimeter. So, you know, you guys finished strong. Obviously, you got past the the uh, the situation with Juwan Howard, and you won two games. But tonight, you're meeting a jug, you're meeting a, a juggernaut tonight. So I don't know. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan, with their size, uh, obviously Devontae Jones being out, right? I don't know if he's playing. Or Frankie Collins has done a great job in his stead, but uh, they're going to need a, another big game from Eli Brooks and uh, Caleb Houston is going to have to play big. But you know, Villanova, if they make threes, they make free throws with themselves. They don't turn the ball over. I think it's going to be tough for you guys. What is it about this Villanova team that has been? just so consistent. I mean, obviously it's Jay Wright and his staff and everything that they've done, but every year you're like, all right, well, they're losing those guys. This It's going to be a rebuilding year, and every year they're right back here. You know, it's just it's just a culture. It's a culture of winning. It's, you know, people talk about winning DNA. No, they don't have the pros that they had in 16 and 18, but they have a professional mindset. And obviously, you mentioned before, it emanates from Jay Wright and all the way down, and they just have guys that have been there before Colin Gillespie's been around a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and then now those guys see they believe it. They've dominated the Big East, and uh, you got a Hall of Fame coach. And it's just one of those things where it's expected. It's, when I played at Villanova many years ago, in the and I call it the real Big East. I, don't, I hate to say that, but <laughs> you know when you played against the, Com- the Kim Bay Matumbo and Lonzo Morning on the inside, and or Derek Coleman and Billy, like there was some real like forces in the league where Villanova was just happy to get to the tournament to a degree. We'd be happy to be an eight seed or, or sneak in the back door. Villanova now is like what Georgetown and, and, and Syracuse was when I, when, when I played. Like, they were the dominant team that you expected to see year after year. And that's, a, that's very, very difficult uh, for Jay to carry that mantle. And, and the kids that they bring in, they understand it. They welcome that challenge, and they've done a great job. On the Michigan side, uh, what do you think of the Fab Five guys kind of hugging it out here? Uh, Chris Weber's been on the outside looking in for a long time, and seems like making the Sweet 16 for Howard brought them back together. Man, I love it. I mean, I, I was a big Fab Five fan. Uh, ball head, long baggy shorts, black socks, black shoes. I mean, they were rebels before their time. Uh, obviously, Jalen's done a great job on TV, and Chris, I thought he was good on TV as well, but uh, he had a great uh, a Hall of Fame career. I think Ray Jackson was there and Jimmy King. I don't know if he was there, but I'm from Texas. I remember Ray. I think Jimmy's from Texas, too, if I'm not not mistaken. But um, I just think that, you know, that was a great story in college basketball. I remember five climbing jammer when I was a kid. That was one of the things I remember. Michigan is another one of those things. And then the UNLV teams, right? <laughs> those oh, yeah. with, with or Grandmama, LJ, and then the Duke teams of Christian Leitner. There's just certain things that are etched in your brain. Uh, from the Final Four, and, and those teams were one of them. But the Fab Five, man, to see those guys come back together, see Juwan. And if you know where Juwan came from, from inner city of Chicago, know his story, uh, when he signed with, Chris, uh, with uh, Steve Fisher and his mom passed away. I, mean, was, I don't know if his mom and his grandma passed away and how Michigan embraced him to see him go back there and coach them again uh, is an amazing story. Chris Walker, former college basketball player at Villanova, analyst now for CBS, assistant coach, and multiple spots around college basketball. We want to get to the, the Mountain West, and you're familiar with the Mountain West in a, a couple of minutes, but the uh, the games at hand tonight, you just mentioned Duke. I saw an interesting story early in the week from uh, a writer with USA Today saying that we need Duke to be the villain in this tournament. I disagreed, and I kind of listed like 13 of the teams that are in the Sweet 16 and reasons I don't like them, but I'm also a psycho. Um, do we need Duke in the tournament to have a run here 
for ratings and have one central villain? Uh, well, there's a lot of people that think Gonzaga's a villain. You know what I mean? But Duke yeah. has always won consistently. I mean, there's. Uh, I was uh, sitting with Sheldon Mack. He was on uh, set and on, on Selection Sunday, and he says, I hate Duke. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. people like Duke used to win so much, not so much lately. And people don't know this. Duke won their first title, their outright title, since 2005, 2006. You just think Duke wins all the time because it's like, you know, something that's been so consistent in our brain. But Curly, Hill, and Leitner was a very long time ago. Yeah. You know? But that's how much they dominated. The people hated J.J. Reddick. They hated Christian Leitner. They hated Wolf. You know what I'm saying? There's players that they hated, and they hated Coach K because they won so much and they got all the players. And then really until Coach Cal came along with Kentucky and the one-and-done thing, there was really no one that other than Carolina that could really match what Duke was doing. But at the end of the day, you're saying to make them a villain. There's so many people out there that have never been able to be Duke. If Coach K wins tonight, it'll be his 100th NCAA win, right? Obviously, everybody, you know, uh, making much about uh, the, the the loss to North Carolina when all the guys are there. I mean, think about the basketball royalty that was at that game. Right. And, and and then losing again to Virginia Tech in the finals. And then, like I told him, I said, guys, I said on the air the other day, I said he played six players. Five of the six are five-star players. Hmm. Five of them can go to the NBA right now. Probably all six will be in the league. And then if you couple that with a with the probably the greatest coach of all time in the modern era, I see why people hate him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have everything. All right, in Texas. order for people to, to really like get into the tournament, everyone says, I can't wait to Duke lose. I hate Duke. You know right, what I mean? Right, it's right. like, it, 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 I don't want to say it's unfair, but hey, man, heavy is the head who wears the crown. Is Texas Tech the team to knock them out? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about one of the most uh, uh, offensive-minded teams in the country, and younger teams typically don't defend well, right? And then you get Texas Tech on the other side, one of the best defensive teams. Mark Adams did a great job with the architect of that defense. And they have older players. I think they're older than the New York Knicks. So, you know, you got that experience playing against youth with a ton of talent. And then you got a new upstart, new coach, although he's a little older. And you got the greatest coach of all time. You have everything you need, right, to, to, to have an exciting game. Now, if the game is in the mud, I'm worried about Duke, okay, if it's in the mud. If, it, if Texas Tech loses their identity and try to go up and down, Duke has the most talented players, even though they're older. So I would keep in mind, like, what's the flow of the game with the knock-me-out, drag-me-out, Texas Tech, that's, that's where they like to live. It's not an all-white party, right? <laughs> they love they love Duke. is you know, wine and cheese, you know, space. You know, I like to move, you know, glide up and down like a gazelle. And Texas Tech operates in a little bit different way. All right, you you are talking in Las Vegas right now, so I'm going to fight back for a second on the greatest coach of all time. When's the last time Duke won a game when they had inferior talent? They never have inferior talent. So, yeah. but but neither did Phil Jackson. <laughs> yeah. and neither did John Wooden. <laughs> you know, yeah, what I'm fair. fair. <laughs> you know, so with that being said, that's just the, and neither does Nick Saban. Does yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fair. So, so the so the best coaches are guys that win. That, that's what it comes down to. And what happened? Hello? Yeah. Keep going, Chris. Uh, yeah. We lost you for oh, a second. Yeah. So Keep that's, going. That's all I was saying. Like, that's, that, yeah. that's a part of and managing that. Even Pat Riley, I was watching this new show 
uh, they have called Winning Time oh, yeah. on uh, HBO. And it's interesting, you know, looking at, you know, the, the different, you know, characters and how they develop them. But the bottom line is the Lakers, Magic Johnson brought the, I mean, again, I mean, that, that changed the fate, even though they had Kareem. Magic Johnson, getting Magic Johnson changed everything. And so my thing is you don't win without great players. Or there is no greatness without great players. Certainly you can win, you know, here and there. But to sustain it, you know, it, it's very, very, very difficult. I've mentioned before about the UNLV teams with Tark the Shark because he was a part of that. I don't know if you watched it. He's a part of it. I didn't realize yeah. he'd almost gone to work for the Lakers, right? Yep, yep. And, uh, but what they were – think about what UNLV was in early 90s. I mean, with Greg Anthony, Grandmama, I mean, I can go through the whole list of guys – I mean, you would never thought that, you know, it would be where it is now because it but so it's look at Georgetown. There's just certain programs. Look at DePaul. That in those, they, those. And so obviously with conference changing uh, and, 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 and stuff like that, I mean, it's just it's just a different era now uh, that uh, that kids. Are, and at the end of the day, it's just not the same as it used to. And some of these guys got to pick it up, you know. Chris Walker's with us, played at Villanova, assistant coach in multiple spots around college basketball. You know the Mountain West. You're, you're on after the games oh, yeah. on CBS. Um, you yep. know, I threw it out there after they went 0-4 that, you know, this conference building teams to beat San Diego State may not be the best way to have teams go into the NCAA tournament where you can't freaking score. Is, is that what you saw? I mean, is it just one-offs and let's not – Let's not, uh, you know, overanalyze the whole thing. What what happened to the Mountain West and, and their brand of basketball now, which is a lot of bully ball? Well, I mean, not Colorado State. I mean, no. they, well, they score with the best of them. Yeah. It's just that, you know, they played against a bigger, stronger Michigan team. They played against a Big Ten team. It's, and, you know, the other thing is, it comes down to matchups. You know, it comes down to, like, you know, who, who you're playing. You know, Boise State played Memphis. Look what Memphis did to Gonzaga. I mean, you're playing very good teams that are just super athletic. And you're in the Mountain West. All you can do is recruit. You know, I mean, you're not about talent. It is not as good to be. It used to be a lot more talented, but they defend at a high level. I thought Wyoming, Ronaldo uh, had the worst game of his career. You know, and again, they lost to another Big Ten team. And so, uh, you know, probably weren't the best. You know, for them, and uh, you know, you got to find a way to get over. I mean, I, I worked at New Mexico with Steve Alford. He couldn't get over that hump either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hmm. He had some great teams, and just could not get over that hump. So it's very difficult. Um, you got to catch lightning in the bottle. Uh, it all comes. I'm trying to think of who's the fourth team. I mentioned Boise State. Um, San, oh, San Diego State. Yeah. You know, that was the other one. You know, and and that was a tight. It was just a tight one, and it's, like I said, one basket here. One basket there, the ball bounces your way, and you win the game. But, you know, to your point, they got to they gotta recruit talent. But once you get to the tournament, I was talking to someone today, once you get to the tournament, all bets are off. It doesn't matter what happened before. Defense does travel. A lot of the tournament games are going to be played in the 50s and the 60s. So it should bode well for those teams. But at the end of the day, when you're playing against those big athletic teams that have superstars on them, I mean, you got to be able to score – because you can talk about stopping them, you also got to score on them, too. Right. <laughs> that's the other thing that's hard. So Matt Bradley, who I coached at Cal, he's a really good player. But when you put him in, you know, when he's got to play against Michigan and Duke and all those, 
it's a little bit different than playing against, you know, UNLV and playing against, you know, New Mexico and playing against Utah State. It's just, it's just a difference, you know. So, you know, you, and like I said, the last thing I'll say, it's the luck of the draw. You know, San Francisco gets Murray State. If, a, if one of the Mountain West teams got Murray State, they probably win. You know what I'm saying? It's all about the matchups. Chris, we appreciate a couple minutes. Enjoy the games today and especially the Villanova game. Sure, man. I, uh, I'm not – we probably <laughs> – make you feel bad about that. No, we're good. We're good. You good? Enjoy the game. See, yeah, enjoy the game. <laughs> See you, Chris. Y'all good. Take care, guys. There he is, Chris Walker, former assistant coach around college basketball, also a point guard back in the late 80s, early 90s with Nova. Coming back. Let's uh, revisit some of the chatter after the Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill. Man, I'm seeing a lot of people who are like, this is the end of an era in Kansas City. What? Enjoy 77-cent Bud Light bottles during Vegas Golden Knights games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Now, back to Cofield and Company. We have a little history Going way back, his dad's fiance uh, was my wife's good friend in in Oakland. So there's, nice. there's a good possibility when he was five and six years old, <laughs> he came by my house. Well, I know he did a couple times. I just wasn't there when he when he came by. So I've been hearing about him since he was ten, eleven years old, and uh, it's just incredible to see everything he's been able to accomplish. Raiders legend Tim Brown. On with Q Myers over on our sister station, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Go to com to hear the entire convo. Yeah, it turns out that uh, Tim Brown thinks he probably had met or was around Devontae Adams when Devontae was a kid. Small world, small world, and especially in the Bay Area. A lot more reaction today on what the Raiders did with Devontae Adams, what the Chiefs just did in sending out Tyreek Hill. We had... Petro on yesterday. He's a Kansas City expert. And we asked him, hey, what do you think now? Where are the Chiefs in the division? And his answer was perfect. It was basically like, I guess right now I would put him here, but uh, he said third, which I still wouldn't put him third. Um, But we have to see what they do in free agency and the draft. Now they have signed Marquez Valdez Scantling from the Packers. So that's one piece added to the, the wide receiver core. They're not going to get a Tyreek Hill. Right? You're not going to replace him with one guy. So that's one move. So Petro said third. I still think they're the favorite without Tyreek Hill. The sportsbooks didn't really do anything. No. They didn't move at all. Um, well, they're, they're also waiting for the same thing. I mean, I think, yeah, today, if you said where do they stand in the, in the, in the division – it might be fourth, but the season doesn't start today. Right. Like, what if they pull off a deal for DK Metcalf? Sure. I don't think they're going to do that, no. I, and I actually don't think they should do that. No, and by the way, I mean, what did they – What did they? Tyreek Hill is a game changer. It's not just his speed. Everybody talks about the speed, but it's not just his speed. But he was, last year, the second fastest clocked receiver in the league at any point. You know who's first? MVS. So, like – He's not the same player. He doesn't do the same things. He's not going to have the same chemistry on the field as Mahomes. But if you're just going to replace the speed, they did that. Now they can invest. They've got two back-to-back draft picks in the first round. You can either trade up and get some really impactful player or two very good players there in the first round. They've got a lot of draft capital. They still have some space under the cap. They obviously need an edge rusher 
Um, whether you go Ingram or perhaps Clowney, somebody like that. Like, you need to do that. You need corners still. Like, there's still position to fill. But in, you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month, they could be right back to the best team in the division. So that's why books are not reacting right now. They're not going to give you a plus price on the Chiefs to win the division knowing that they have some flexibility to make some moves. Right. Offer a 350, and then all of a sudden they pull off some great moves. Yeah. And by the way, the, you know, the Raiders fans who think that they're now the best team in the division, they are still by far the biggest long shot in the division. By Se- far. 7-1, to 8-1, 9-1. Yeah. Bet it. Um, if I had a pick right now, I would go Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. I have the Raiders ahead of the Broncos, even though Russell Wilson's with the Broncos, because I think the Raiders have a coaching edge. But I think you're a Hackett guy. I am. I like Hackett. But, I, I, I mean, I do think that there's a – I think the teams are close enough that you can – you can. I don't see a problem any way that you rank them. No. I mean, I don't think the Raiders are first, but I, I think if you put the Raiders second, third, fourth, and any other team in any other position, I think you're fine. And and, and again, we're, you know, one injury changes the entire season in the division. The division is really, really good. It's it's stacked, and you know, one bad call, one bad injury, everything can completely shift the dynamics in the division. So I wouldn't even be that. I'm not even that against you if you said you wanted to bet the Raiders to win the division. Yeah, maybe. The The draft is going to matter, especially since the Chiefs have 5,000 picks now. Yeah. Who's the best GM in the division? Good luck on this one. Yeah, fair question. Well, we don't I mean, know the, Well, the opinions could be, well, we know we have pretty good evidence on two of them. Sure. We know of George Payton. We don't know what how Ziegler and McDaniels are going to draft. I mean, McDaniels... Certainly shouldn't have final say based on his 30-something GMing. <laughs> that didn't work out No, in Denver. Well, he, and McDaniels did say Ziegler has final say. I mean, he was yeah. pretty definitive about that. I think Chiefs are pretty good. So I, I think they're good at judging personnel. I think they're good in the draft, and this is a real dangerous position now for the rest of the division, <laughs> the Chiefs having all these picks. And I also I think Telesco is actually very good in terms of getting value. Well, I was going to say, well, I, I think it could be Telesco. And by the way, you ask who's the best GM, who's the best coach? Oh, I think it's clearly Andy Because you know my choice, it's Staley. He's the only one that understands math in the division, so he's the best coach. You don't think Reed uses math? I think he's pretty progressive for For an, an old, old guy, guy, he's progressive. I knew we were both going to – for sure. you know, the ages show here. Sure, he's still – Because we're so there. young. He's not there yet. He still puts his team – he still takes massive risks with the team by punting on fourth down sometimes from midfield. That's a massive risk. you got to be cautious like, like Staley does. Got to be cautious. Got to go for it. it on I was just, down. and I was going to set you up by saying, you know, Reed isn't as bold as Staley, and then I knew you would fire back with, you know, Staley's the most conservative guy. He is. He's the most he, conservative. He guy. takes the least risk. If it's fourth and three from the from your own forty four, <laughs> it's the conservative move to go for it. Uh, coming up, Xavier Pope is in uh, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, coming out of Chicago, and we'll get. His call on uh, what he thinks of Tyreek Hill and Deshaun Watson cashing in big time. And there actually is another county in Texas with a grand jury looking at one more Deshaun Watson allegation. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Kyrie, come to Houston, play for the Rockets. We'll let you play. It's a hell of a player. Uncle Drew's being benched. It's Cofield and Company. This is stupid. It's not health-related. It's not science-related. It's not medicine-related. It is political theater, and it's time for it to end.
the Honorable Ted Cruz. Big NBA fan, big backer of African-American athletes like Kyrie Irving. We'll get to Ted Cruz's comments on COVID and New York City because that changed since last week when he stood up and uh, called others out for COVID theater. But first, Xavier Pope is in. Little Migos, nice job. Nice job. Already putting two and two together. Xavier, I don't know if you saw it, but, uh, you know, Migos made a pretty strong pitch to get Deshaun Watson to Atlanta. Hey, what's up, Steve? Uh, Migos and the Braves and all, there are so many different other artists down there in Atlanta wanted Deshaun Watson to come there, significant African-American population, just like Houston, where he left, uh, where there's tremendous influence on the culture, and he chooses Cleveland. The money, <laughs> the guaranteed money, which I probably would have done as well. Yeah, I mean, when you give uh, a guy uh, thirty plus more million dollars guaranteed than he was already making on his contracts, so you can take care of his civil suits uh, and have money left over in his pocket. I mean, kind of a, a tough choice, but Cleveland. Eesh. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, we've had, we've heard from a lot of women in uh, sports media and elsewhere not happy about Tyree Kill, but especially Deshaun Watson cashing in recently. I saw Michelle Beadle spoke out strongly against Watson. What do you think? And the NFL keeps chugging along, right? Um, because that, 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 that's what it comes down to. The NFL is going to continue to make money. It's the most profitable uh, professional league in, 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 in professional sports uh, and until the NFL is feels like they're going to lose money until the teams feel like they're going to lose money and it seems the only way the NFL feels like they're going to lose money if they turn off old white guys if you get on your knees and kneel for better uh, for better justice in society. That seems to be the only time that the NFL feels this is going to lose money. You could sexually assault women. You could run somebody over with a car. You could, you could drunk drive. You could, you could, you could smack a kid. I mean, you could do it all the, you could, you could smack your girlfriend on video. I mean, everything you could possibly think of, you're good. You stand up for what's right. It's, it's, it's pretty pathetic. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs, and uh, the women that are crying uh, uh, and, and screaming and, and, and raising their voices, um, they deserve to be heard. But unfortunately, until it impacts um, the, the ownership of the league that's primarily white-owned and male, then it'll, be, it'll still be a problem. Well, I guess my question would be, should the NFL, should teams have a responsibility to say, I'm not going to do it? Because, you know, if the Browns weren't going to give him a guaranteed contract, Somebody was going to, and then you're losing out on your ultimate goal of winning because you're, you know, choosing to to employ or not employ certain people based on things that, you know, we don't like about them when the legal system does have an ability to take care of them and they don't. Yeah, I mean, there's a due process aspect of it, right? I mean, you, you, you have to have your day in court. Grand jury did not char decide to charge uh Deshaun Watson, there's a 10th case outstanding outside of Harris County where most of the cases um, were seeking to be brought against him. And the NFL does have 
a conduct policy that doesn't really limit it, that doesn't necessarily limit itself to criminal or civil charges uh, and have a little bit wider nexus, which they could capture some of the the connection to Deshaun Watson in some of these actions. Um, But the issue is, think about how Colin Kaepernick was kept out of the league and him settling a collusion grievance. Well, wouldn't that be flipped on the other side if teams agreed to not sign Deshaun Watson because of him being connection connected to these allegations when they're there they're, yes there are 22 civil suits but they haven't been reached their full conclusion and the, the criminal aspect of it seems to be resolved except for the one case so it's this weird quandary situation that teams are now they can battle against each other for watching services and, and he goes to the highest bidder Xavier Pope is on the horn. He joins us every Thursday, uh, helping us out by coming on a little early today. We go until 4 o'clock today, 1 to 4, and we're going to get out of the way for the Sweet 16. Of course, uh, Xavier has uh, Suit Up News. He's an attorney, host of Suit Up News and legal and culture contributor right here on Cofield and Company. All right, we got a real interesting one, and this is going to turn into a, a fight. There's a lot of people outraged by this, but uh, Mayor Adams of New York uh, changed his mind, and now Kyrie Irving can play at home. Major League Baseball players can play at uh, New Shea and and Yankee Stadium, what exactly changed? Oh, well, it was just uh, the home employees. Basically, it's an employee mandate for the city to be vaccinated. Uh, and so because Kyrie Irving was an employee of a team in New York City, um, the Brooklyn Nets, he wasn't able to suit up uh, and play, but role players were able to come in and play. Now that's been being changed, uh, and it's lifted for athletes, celebrities, those that come and perform and come into the the facilities where tourists come and gather in New York. That hasn't changed for the wider citizens in New York, which presents a really challenging proposition because you the in the the city fired so many different over fourteen hundred employees, and uh, and that's the issue across the country is all these different employers. You know, they may have fired employees in the past, and now some of these restrictions are being lifted. And now, what do you do? about the employees that say, wait a minute, this is restricted, this has been lifted, I don't have a job. Are you gonna pay me for the back pay when I wasn't there? There's so many different legal wranglings around this that makes this a much more complicated issue than Kyrie Irving would present. Did you buy what Adam said that, hey, frankly, there are just a small number of people that have an outsized impact on our economy. Was the economy in New York really gonna lose out because of Kyrie Irving and Aaron Judge not playing? No, uh, but uh, Eric Adams is been on the side of pro business all along. He also had he also recently met with business leaders in New York City, uh, so he could work on bringing employers employees back to the offices in the downtown area of New York, where they're much more empty than it was um, prior to the pandemic. And so this is just more of his politics in terms of being pro business. And uh, and making sure that he's protecting that interest as he uh, as he continues to get comfortable with that office. Uh, real quick on that, I mean, we've heard all along that lawsuits about these mandates weren't really going to work because it's perfectly within the rights to impose these mandates. But there is an opening now for people to go after them when you're making exceptions for athletes, right? Like this could change the dynamic of how these lawsuits could go. Yeah, I mean, when you are considering that uh, that one group of, 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 of employees are treated different from a different type of employee and there there aren't any protected status of 
professional sports and professional athletes and entertainers, they don't occupy a certain class of citizens that the Constitution protects. And so there there's no difference between them and the other. It could, that could be seen as as prejudicial and uh, it opens a lane for other lawsuits to come as a result of that. So the Orlando Pride, to switch gears a little bit, a team in mm -hmm. uh, Orlando, a soccer team, d confiscated a banner where fans were trying to support uh, the the gay community with their banner. Of course, the team was born out of, you know, showing support for the community after a horrible tragedy in Orlando and all that playing together. And yet a banner gets confiscated where they're trying to support the community and fight back against this potential law in Florida uh, what is going on here with with a team making a political decision? They've changed it now. They've said, hey, it's cool. They can use it. But we had a ban on political speech, and we should have made an exception here, and we didn't. What's going on in this in this situation? The team is called Orlando Pride. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it would seem to be extremely <laughs> hypocritical for the behavior they engaged in. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it, it doesn't get any more hypocritical than that. Your team is named Pride, and they have the flag all over the place. I think we have a really uh, tense time in this country where people are trying to figure out how to navigate around the backlash to progressive rights in this country and some of the laws that have been passed in the state of Florida. I think it was a mistake. Uh, I think they've now apologized for that mistake, and they are seeking to find better ways to to navigate with that community and to 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 get in line with why they are there in the first place and the communities that they support. Um, and so that's the most important part is them moving forward. And that should have never happened. And uh, hopefully they will make the right decision. They will connect with the leaders of those different communities. And Florida doesn't come a place where free speech is tamped down for bigotry. And that's what's happening in that state. And that absolutely needs to change. And Orlando Pride should be a leader in that, uh, particularly because of their name, Pride. What's coming up on uh, Suit Up News and also Twitter Spaces? Great. Uh, we're talking about uh, the, the Supreme Court nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson, uh, some of the response to her, some of the questions that, being, that she's being asked. And what does it mean for wider society in terms of the, the, the various positions that have been taken in government? Uh, in an open hearing, uh, pulling back marriage, interracial marriage, gay marriage, uh, uh, women's rights, uh, civil rights, and being connected to um, better conversations that can move our society forward and how ugly that's become instead of a proud moment for this country. So that's what we're focusing on next. We got to close on, uh, believe me, that, that whole thing is pure lunacy. But uh, on the streets of this country with gas, you, you retweeted a video I think it's in California. Um, a guy walks up on another <laughs> dude standing next to his car, having watched him freshly siphon gas straight from his car. And the guy who's stealing gas is like, sorry, man, I need gas. I really apologize. And then you look over and he's got, you know, one of these $40,000 pickup trucks. And, like, he just thought it was like an apology was acceptable. And the guy with the car who had his gas ripped off is like, what? Like, no, an apology doesn't work. I mean, just compare the two cars. I mean, <laughs> the two cars that they're right, driving. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's absolutely absurd. This guy's truck costs more than this other guy's car. And he's the one siphoning gas from the other guy and say, hey, man, you got me. Um, and it just indicates. Oops. Of, Sorry. <laughs> you got me. 
You know that meme with the preacher with the Bible in his hands? Yeah. You got me. <laughs> you know, and you know, he lucky he didn't get anything worse than that guy saying, hey, man, why'd you do that? You're stealing from me. So um, I know it's a tough time for many people, but you can't go around stealing from people, man. Come on. Gas? What? He doesn't know what the situation this other guy is in. It's ridiculous. Uh, we've had we've had a rash of cases in town where uh, you know people have gone to park cars and poked holes in their gas tank and siphoned out the gas tank from underneath the car. I think I think we had a case in our parking lot where someone poked a hole in one of our uh, our work trucks and, and a bunch of gas dumped all over the parking lot. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right Hard now? times, man. Hard times. Now I know what that you, Ice what, T what, tweeted what, earlier today. Yeah. Our Ice Tweet T tweeted today like he was he got robbed at a gas tank. That was by awesome. Gas that was an awesome tweet. It's trending right now. Yeah. But actual robbing someone's gas from their tank and you guys getting getting jacked too in your lot, that's crazy. Wild times, man. It is wild times. Xavier, have a good weekend. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Ahala. Thanks, man. Did you see the iced tea tweet? I did not. Because I read it in real time, and the way he wrote it, I was like, holy crap, man. Legendary Ice T got freaking jacked in New Jersey. He goes, uh, I was robbed at a gas station in New Jersey last night. After my hand stopped trembling, I managed to call the cops, and they were quick to respond and calm me down. My money is gone. The police asked me if I knew who did it. I said yes. It was Pump 9. Sign up for an A-Play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.